Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I was going to say, I've got a good line of poetry um, that I think you might enjoy. This is actually by a guy named um, Wallace Stevens. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, sure. I've, I've always appreciated this line. It goes something like, let B be the finale of Seam. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream. And I've just always liked that. There you go. Or a poem that I read yesterday on PTI. Roses are red. You're going to need whiskey to watch TV 12 with Foles and Trubisky. That, to me, Ride Home wrote that. I thought it was brilliant. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. We have a lot of email defending Louise Gluck and her poetry and essentially saying I'm a moron for not liking it. And I'll read all those things later. I think they're pretty good. Can you read the Greg Garcia email? Uh, Greg Garcia, no, I'm not going to read it, but it made me laugh out loud. Nothing makes me laugh out loud. Garcia, uh, somewhat of a takedown of Madame Gluck or Gluck. It's got the umlaut over the U. I don't, I don't even understand how that happens. Does that mean it's pronounced Gluck or is it Gluck? I don't know. Anyway, she went to my high school, but before I did. Michael is here, six feet, one inches apart. Nigel was here before, and we had the complicated exchange of money. Uh, Nigel had bought me the shoes, which it turns out I don't need at all. And I had texted Nigel yesterday saying, just bring $10 um, because I will give you $101 in cash. Michael disapproving because no, just you're not a classic, supposed to use cash. No, just a classic old man move. Yeah. So um, now, why don't you explain what your wife wanted me to do? So as soon as you found out that you had the original two pair upstairs, size 10 and a half with medium, why yeah. didn't you just cancel the order up until it was actually in the air? You could have canceled. Because the, the price was too good. Because it's sixty four ninety five compare at 130 which is meaningless. It's $65. That's $130. And I got it for, you know, $91. So, I mean, you So if you you're saving it. so much money, you know, you're thinking about classy moves on the golf course. Yeah. As soon as you find out that, I don't know, Nigel, who's gone to all the, the difficulty of ordering these shoes, bringing yeah. them to you, why don't you just look him in the eye and say, you know what? Here's $10. Because if I had done that to Nigel, and I'm saying this before Nigel gets a chance to speak, if I had tipped Nigel, that destroys the relationship that I have with Nigel. I mean, that just makes him a worker. That just makes him a waitress. No, it's not the right thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. Am I right on this, Nigel? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't expect no. you to tip me on that. No, just do no. Favor. You don't. No, you don't tips. You don't tip somebody you work with. It's not how it works. No, uh-uh. I wouldn't consider it a tip if you just round it up, saying, "Hey, thanks." You know, don't worry about the change. You've learned to do that in your life because you come from rich parents. You've learned to do that. <laughs> anyway, I have the shoes. You were I, waiting on the porch with cash out. Yes, I had cash right. out because I'm, a, I'm an honorable man. I said, I, I, did I write you? Did I say bring $10 because I'm going to give you cash for this? Yes. I, I'm an honorable man. Yes. As soon as I owe somebody something, I bring pay $10, it. but only in this form. Well, he didn't bring a 10. He didn't bring a 10. Or two fives. No, you know, I he bought, didn't bring two fives. I, unfortunately, I had a lot of 20s, um, but I had a five and five ones. Useless. And I didn't want the ones. Well, if you but had I five took 20s, we could have I traded took, that in for, for one what? of Tony's hundos. So. It just, it just it, it, anyway. The math. Anyway. Um, okay, so I will just get to a couple of things. Because we have, you know, Wilbon is going to want to talk about the NBA. That was a non-game. That was a non-competitive, awful, awful game in which there was no point in watching past the second or third minute, as I did, of the second half, 
when neither team could make any shots. And you realized at that point, Miami cannot get back in this game. They're down 28 at the half. They're down 29 and three quarters. And they're down me because I'm not watching past three minutes into the third quarter. It's an awful game. They lost the fourth quarter by 16 and still won by 13. They were at one point up by 36. Non-competitive bad game. Did you watch it? Did not watch. Nigel, did you watch? I tuned in and saw, and the Lakers were up by like 20 at that point. And I said, non-competitive. I'll keep keep an eye on it, but if it doesn't get close, I'm not coming back to it. Not competitive. Sean, did you watch it? Not competitive game. No point in watching it. Same as Nigel. Uh, Saw the the score and didn't watch. Yeah. No. So, but I mean, Mike, I'm, I'm sure Mike was excited about it. There's college football to talk about, which the games on Saturday were great. Like every game was 45-40. Every game was tremendous or 65-40. Four overtimes. Yeah, so everything was great. But that's not the news to me, the biggest news to me over the weekend. I was watching this yesterday. I missed the Dak Prescott injury, which was apparently horrific to the degree that when they replayed it later in the evening, and I tried to watch it later in the evening, they put the fuzzy stuff on his on his foot, so you couldn't see his foot. You couldn't see the way it was bent. A I sharp still, angle. I still have it, not seen the way it was bent. Wilbon saw it. Wilbon saw it live. I was walking the dog and missed it live. But there are certain Instagram accounts that will that still had the video into the evening last night, which was surprising. So I I have not yet seen it, nor do I think I need to. Wilbon said it was like Gordon Hayward. It was. It was just yeah. terrible. What I what I watched in real time was Alex Smith trot out onto the field after Jalen Ramsey with a typical dirty hit on Kyle Allen sends Allen out of the game. And here comes Alex Smith. And I will be very honest about this. And I emailed or texted Wilbon at the time. I said, this is a car crash to me. I'm afraid his leg is going to fall off. I'm afraid he'll get hit because he's never been hit since this happened because there's no live contact. Well, he was hit a lot yesterday. Well, Aaron Donald just jumped on his back a couple of times. He must have been sacked five or six times. Um, And he got up each time. He threw the ball progressively shorter and progressively softer. Um, Everyone is going to make this, and everyone has made this into a great triumph. And I'm not going to stand in the way of a great triumph. But I worried and worry now that he is not well, that he can't physically handle this. And I don't know what the story is that Dwayne Haskins came up with a stomach ache and couldn't even go to the ballpark, couldn't go to the ballpark. He could have been an emergency third quarterback, but he couldn't even go to the ballpark. You know, part of me wonders, how did this happen? Is that a real deal? It's the same thing I wonder about people who get the coronavirus and in 24 hours go home and take their masks off. Never felt better. And I wonder, is that real? Is that the real thing? Is this the real thing? So I wondered about that with Alex Smith. The team is bad. The division is bad. The team is bad. So two major injuries. Dak Prescott gambling on himself, refusing the Cowboys' offers of a long-term commitment for whatever his reasons were, now making $31 million this year, and now with a severely broken and repaired, surgically repaired as of last night, ankle. How is that going to impact what the Cowboys or someone else gives him for a contract? How does that impact that? All football players will side with Dak Prescott in that, saying, wow, this is the bad thing about this is that Prescott has no financial certainty now, even with $31 million this year. 
What are your thoughts? Well, you look at that particular injury and you wonder, are we going to see more as we now are moving past the first quarter of the season where you didn't have any form of a preseason? Yeah. And, you, and you, hope, you, hope that, you hope that he recovers fully. You look at Alex Smith and you see the light that you can recover. And you look, Are you afraid for him as I am? For Alex Smith? Yes. I, afraid. I am, but maybe, maybe you would say, I want to be hit because I want to see what, That's right. what I look like coming back after that, what I look like in a week, what I look like at practice in the immediate days after that. But the larger story is, if you're going to send him out as a body bag, what's going on with the other quarterback who this has is, the mysterious w- w- flu, can't even show up to the stadium and suit up? Well, and also, apparently, Kyle Allen is ready to play, and Ron Rivera, who has made coaching moves that are very odd to me over the course of this season, like not taking any timeouts for two weeks in a row. Fourth and short. Oh. You know, yeah, stuff like that. He let Kyle Allen stay on the bench and kept Alex Smith out there. I, I don't know. I don't know what the long term is, and I don't want to waste everybody's time talking about the Washington football team to this degree. But I think you have to question whether or not Dwayne Haskins will ever play another down for this team. I mean, you just does it not seem bizarrely coincidental that he would be sick and not go to the game? Not go? I mean, not unless you have. there's something already in the moves that you're trying to protect him because you think you already have a place for him to go. Yeah. But it, it seems like a continuation of last year when you just are taking selfies in the stands. Kansas City loses for the first time. Pittsburgh wins. This is a, a very odd statistic. I never I, – I almost couldn't believe this. It's the first time Ben Roethlisberger was 4-0. and It's the first time the Steelers were 4-0 and since 1979. The Steelers are a really good team. They are an annual playoff team. The only thing I could think of was, you know, they're in a very tough division for a long time. Cincinnati was quite good and was a playoff team for a long time. Now Baltimore has been quite good and they couldn't get out to 4-0. and But that was very surprising to me that they had never been 4-0. and um, uh, Jeff Ma had a good week. Jeff Ma was 4-1. and He lost on the Jets, as I knew he would lose on well, the Jets. Just one but he won on the Giants. He won on the Giants, and he won um, betting against Seattle. He won on Minnesota. He covered on that. Uh, he won on Pittsburgh as well, and I thought he might not. The, the Eagles, the division is terrible. It's just a, terrible. The Raiders, the Raiders beat Kansas City. Kansas City was going to lose at some point. I didn't think they'd lose to the Raiders. I did not. Did you watch any of that? I Let's, did not. A lot of was, red zone. Yeah, was, I was watching red zone. There's a lot of red zone on that. Uh, Rafael Nadal, we're not going to get to this in any other time. Happily for me, beat Novak Djokovic. I don't like Novak Djokovic, and I'm glad he lost because I don't want him to retire with the most majors ever. I don't. But when you look at Rafael Nadal, and Nigel, I will defer to you on this. When you look at Rafael Nadal and 13 wins, 13 <laughs> of his majors are the it's French Open. Yeah, I mean, so he's the greatest clay court player of all time, but... But if he finishes with the most and 13, one event, I don't think you can consider him the greatest of all time. Can you? Well, he's he's won on every surface, so give him that. And, and Djokovic, who, who I'm well, with Well, so you. has Federer. Federer's yeah. won on every surface. Yes, and I yeah. think Federer, Federer's only won once at the French, but has won a ton How of How many Wimbledons has Nadal won? How many Wimbledons? Uh, I think two. I think he's won two. Really? Uh, and he's won one Australian Open, I think, because uh, Djokovic is the guy that's dominated the uh, the Australian Open. He's won like eight and nine times or something like that. So you've got these guys. 13 French Opens. 13. I know. And by the way, and, and just the way, when I learned look, who Sophia Kennan was, 
she lost oh, yeah, she got, to a 19 year old girl from fight. Poland who I'd never heard of. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Play, you play the schedule yeah. that's in front of you. Hmm? You play the schedule yeah. that's in front of you. I'm, I mean, as soon as you start parsing through Tiger Woods' overall total win record and you look, it comes on four, half of them come on four courses. Does that change his overall legacy? I don't, I don't think so. No, because he was the greatest 10 year player in the history right, of the game. Right. But you look, and you dominant. look at Nadal and you look at the finals that he was in and lost in five, in epic five set fashion to Federer and you look at when he was winning them. I mean, he, yeah. he had to evolve as a player. And I think that's where you see some of the greatness off of the clay. Other players got, but Jimmy G got benched yesterday. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo came back. They lost to Miami. They got beat bad by Miami. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Garoppolo threw a bunch of interceptions in the first half, and then they benched him. I mean, they didn't do any better by benching him, but but they took him. You know, that was they were supposed to be a good team. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They look terrible, don't they? Mm. They look terrible. And by the way, and I don't know why this took so long, um, Atlanta fired its coach, Dan <laughs> Quinn. Quinn. They're now 0-5. And They're the 0-5. It feels like they, they were in the score Super Bowl points. like two years ago. They score points, and they don't ever win games. Their defense is so bad, so he's the second coach fired. So, okay, so we've done all that. That sets the mood. Just avoiding the Rays? Oh, well, we have Tim on later to talk about that. No, the, the Tampa Bay Rays got a hit from a guy who gets no hits. He either gets a home run or he gets no hits. Zanino, the catcher, and he batted in a run uh, after, what's that guy's name? Rosarena. He had a home run. He had another home run, and um, and Altuve had a home run in the first inning. And Tampa beat Houston, I think probably to the delight of many people, not necessarily me. Later in the week, who's this guy that we're going to have on who's got a podcast that, that we're going to plug? Ben What's his name? R- Reader? Ben, uh, ben, I believe Re- it's Writer? Writer. R-E-I-T-E-R. I think it's Writer. It's either Writer or Reader. Yeah. Yes. And he's done a whole podcast on the cheating Astros. So we'll have him on to talk about Dusty, that. Dusty, you don't think of him as a bullpen guy. They they made some really good moves in the in the later innings of that game. Good for Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker, you're looking for a cohesive plan? Put Dusty Baker out there. He's fully masked up and with the gloves on. Yeah. Except eighth inning. He Does took he it have down a, a toothpick? I don't think he has a toothpick. Because there's the no mask. room inside the mask for a toothpick? I wouldn't be. It'd be sort of hard to roll it over. <laughs> yeah, we should find out about that. We will take a break. We will come back. Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Lincoln Financial ad. Hey, everyone. This new world we're living in has me and my family talking a lot more. I mean, we're talking about everything from how much greater was the greatest of all time than today's greatest, which would be a conversation you would have about Michael Jordan and LeBron James now, to how to make sourdough bread, which my daughter can make from scratch, and which my son now has a sourdough starter, courtesy of my daughter. Thank you for the recognition. Are you going to make sourdough bread? Have you? I have, just not for you. Why? You didn't even give me a piece. Not even a single crust. That's terrible. <laughs> to carry in my in my jacket. To how excited we are that football is finally back. Trust me, the last one's important. It is indeed. I can't keep watching my dog run circles in the backyard and call that a spectator sport. I can. So she prances around with the Frisbees in her mouth, and I like to see that. I just wish she'd drop them once in a while so I could throw them to her. But despite how talkative we all are, the people at Lincoln Financial want to point out the one conversation that most people still haven't had, your financial plans. So do find time to talk to your loved ones about it. Because the more we talk, the better we plan, protect, and retire. That's why Lincoln Financial is here to help you. Get the right questions to start your conversation at lincolnfinancial.com. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Kyle in Portland, Oregon. 
who says these songs are from a group called The Wind and the Wave. They're off the self-released album Rescue Me. Rescue Me, at my age, is Fontella Bass. The Wind and the Wave are related to me by my brother's marriage to the lead singer, Patty. They're an Austin, Texas-based indie folk rock group. They just released their first live album, which was recorded during an arena tour of the United Kingdom, playing with the Stereophonics, which safely, sadly ended prematurely due to some sort of virus emergency. Perhaps you've heard of it. This is Rescue Me, plays uh, The Wind and the Wave, playing in Michael Wilbon, who's out in Arizona. So I'm going to take this in logical order over the weekend, because the weekend was a bonanza for sports. One of the things you said on Friday was you were going to immerse yourself in college football over the weekend. In fact, did you? No. Oh. Didn't come close. Didn't come close, Tony. Part of it there were a lot of great games. Is, yeah, but the, you know they began at nine o'clock out here in the morning, right? Uh, out in Arizona, and I, and I just decided to play golf. It's a it's perfect weather out here. It's you know smart. It's in the eighty, it's, it's in the low nineties. It's there's like eight percent humidity. It's just perfect. No, I haven't seen a cloud in like five days. So I I didn't I didn't I didn't watch. As a matter of fact, I did the opposite. I watched no college football, none. Not a snap. So wow, I, 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 because Alabama Alabama needed 63 to beat Lane Kiffin. Missouri yeah. beat LSU. LSU's now lost twice. Missouri beat LSU on a goal line stand. A&M beat Florida in Florida. First real big win for Jimbo Fisher. Georgia beat Tennessee. And Clemson killed Miami, as I know I had said on the air, because you know I, I really I I like Clemson. Bit. I watched a little bit of that. I watched a little Clemson. Miami at the end, at the, well, you know, it wasn't even the end of the day out here, but a little bit. Right. But, uh, you know, Tony, I just I haven't, got, I haven't felt compelled yet. Okay. I, well, I, now, I when does the Big Ten start? Uh, a week from the 24th, so a week from Saturday. What are your plans for that? Like, will you go to Northwestern? Get, what will I, you do? I, I try to. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to. Um, our stadium situation is that there's a stadium club, and it's, you know, it's, it's a glass sky suite, and a couple of hundred people yep. can sit in there, and I'm hoping I'll be one of them. I'm going to call and try to beg my way in today. I think so we, by we that... Open, <clears throat> I don't even know who we open with, but but I, I want to go. I'd like to go. I'd like to go to at least a couple of those games, two of the four home games I'd love to go to. Well, I will tell you, and I have no context for this, because so far there's only three t- leagues that are playing. So, you know, I don't know how good the SEC is or the ACC or the Big 12, although Oklahoma has now lost twice. They beat Texas. Texas has now lost twice. But I will tell you that the games that I have watched are fabulous to watch. There's a really? lot of scoring. Yeah, they've been, they've been I, don't, I don't know that they're meaningful, but the games yeah. have been really, you know, you, you watch them. You watch them. And LSU losing twice. You go, wow, but that's LSU Missouri. 20-some people from the yeah, roster. They're, they're all in the pros. They have, they have no, they're all in the yeah, pros. they're all in the right. pros, including the one who got crushed yesterday, the quarterback. Has he won a game yet, or he just tied a game? Has he won? Has, 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 Burrow? Has Joey, uh, he's just, I don't, Joey I think Z. he hasn't won. No, I don't, I don't yeah, think he's won. It's a tie. Yeah. He, he I think he's worth it. I think he's worth it. I think he's good. be careful. If Ron Rivera was his coach, he might be, you know, benched forever by now. That's right. Well, speaking of which, I mean, I said this before, I, I, you know, you got to go to the ballpark. You got to go. Yeah, I mean, unless have. you're on an IV, you got to go to the That's ballpark. Right. That's right. I'm sorry. You got to go to, you got to go to the ballpark. All right. So let me, I will get to, 
I'll get to the NBA. Um, it was an ultra non-competitive game it that was. nobody had to watch. I, I stopped three minutes into the third quarter when nobody had made a shot, and I realized at that point that the lead was too vast. It was too vast, and, I, I, and I Miami was not 20, coming back. I turned it off before you did. I turned it off earlier. Is that right? And I started watching the, the Vikings-Seattle game was actually entertaining and, and compelling. Yeah. yeah. That game yeah. was compelling. Yeah. I mean, the, the drive. And by the way, I, I know the Atlanta coach doesn't have a job yeah, anymore. I don't know how Zimmer has one. Is Zimmer, was Zimmer fired this morning yet or last night or something like that? Not to, not to my knowledge. So, well, in other words, you to kick the field goal, right? You kick the field goal. Of course. You, you, of course. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so. no way. You, 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 nine, come on. You want to at least walk off that field without being able to lose in, in regulation. You got to make Seattle score to the max. And you know they can because they got now that guy. Let me just say, let me just say right now, we've been talking about, oh, there's a group of guys who could be there's the two guys. There, there are, there's two guys. There's two guys. Now there's one guy. Well, let's Russell, let's see what Rodgers does in his next game. I mean, yeah, Wilson has played right every now, he's me, played every it's, week. It's, it's Wilson yeah. right now, but I mean, yeah, Rodgers right. can you know? Okay, um, yeah. let me get to the NBA. I, I remember saying this: I always bet on the Lakers. Uh, I always bet on LeBron. I believe that LeBron really wanted to win this for legacy, which he talks about and cares about. I think he invoked Kobe Bryant for legacy. I'm not saying it's not sincere. I'm saying it's motivational. And everything worked out the way the NBA wanted in the sense that LeBron went to L.A. and after not having made the playoffs at all, won a championship. What does this do? The Lakers are not a particularly good team. They got two great players. What does this do for LeBron? What, what do you see from now on? And what do you see for the Lakers? Because I assume they're going to get rid of a lot of people. I assume. Um, well, Tony, I don't know that you can get rid of taking that point first. You can't just do a remake right now because, first of all, we don't even know when the next season is going to begin. We don't know. That's right. We're talking about leagues being down a billion plus dollars in in revenue. So it's not that people aren't just going to say, "Yeah, let me give you a bunch of money so you can come, so we can have you." That's not going to happen. And the Lakers, while obviously, you know. In normal times, their revenues are up there with anybody because you have all kinds yeah. of other local things, TV deals, and revenue streams. They're not. They're not. The Lakers aren't that. They're not. They're not the richest team in town. You know. Ballmer That's right. Is, That's is, right. Is, is That's that right. Guy. So 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 no I, no. I don't see them turning over the entire roster. Again, the second unit. Yeah. You know. Um. They'll they'll try to adjust and do whatever they can with that. But for LeBron, look. I mean. It, if LeBron had lost this, it doesn't change his legacy to me. To me, but I know to, there are some people who just want to count rings, and for people who want to determine things that way, it'll just slide LeBron up whatever scale they're using to measure. I, I don't that it doesn't take that for me to 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 evaluate, to treasure, to appreciate LeBron James. It, it doesn't. It doesn't take that. But you know, Tony, he's in a place now where the all the other great players. They, most of them came into the league, other than Kobe, um, with with some college time, two, three, four years. You know, we're talking about Kareem, and we're talking about Jordan, and, and, and even Magic and Isaiah, you know, a couple of years. And they were older, and they didn't get to 35, 36 years old in this kind of physical shape, conditioning. 
he's still a physical marvel at 35 and yep. they, they were not. Yep. And yep. so, so while they could master the game psychologically and emotionally, I mean, manipulate the game, they all did. I mean, you know, magic at 30 and bird at 30, those guys, they, they mastered the game. Jordan mastered the game, obviously. Well, LeBron has done that, but they were old and breaking down. Jordan wasn't breaking down at 35, but he was lesser. LeBron is not that he is not lesser. And so he, you, you got to think if they come back at this season, I don't expect the season to start until March. I mean, really? February, if things go a whole lot better, February, how are they really? going to start, Tony? What are they going to start? I don't know. There's but no I don't bubble. know. There's no more bubble. Right. That's right. over. <clears throat> That's right. So, so the league, I don't know how the league starts before. I mean, the most optimistic scenario to me would be mid-February. Uh, I, I could see March. And so, you know, you're not going to be able to have a whole lot of stuff. So the Lakers will be the favorite going in unless I, I don't know what would make their team's coming. And I think the standings could flip-flop in a couple of years. But by then, I mean, who, who knows? LeBron could have, could have won another one. And there are going to be some circumstances that push things. What's Milwaukee going to do to supplement Antetokounmpo? What are they going to do? Are the Celtics ever – is this group of Celtics ever going to, you know, get past a certain point and find greatness instead of being just potentially really good? So all that works in LeBron's favor as of just being LeBron. He's, it, it's good to be LeBron right now. It's, no, no, it's was, great to be great. LeBron right now. So let me yeah. get to something else because, because you, I had been texting you about Alex Smith, um, that yeah. I was terrified for Alex Smith. And then you said, did you see Dak's injury? And I was out with the mm -hmm. dog. I did not. You saw that. Yeah. What, does, what, what, what was going yeah. through your mind? Um, Gordon Hayward, because yeah. I was, I was sitting courtside when Gordon Hayward suffered that injury, that dislocation and that fracture and his toe was pointed 90 degrees the other direction. I was sitting there and that's a basketball circumstance. It's just much more intimate. Yeah. And, um, and I'm thinking, I don't even know who the Celtics were playing. Maybe they were playing, maybe they were playing the heat. I don't even know where the Celtics were that night when that injury happened, but it was the opener or not the opener. It was early in that season. And very early. Thinking, it was like third yeah, game. Very. It was, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm looking at that. And, I, and I, I'm, so yesterday when this happens with Dak, I'm looking, looking at it and you just go, Oh God, you know, and you see the reaction of the players and it, and it, it conjures up a lot of things. It conjures up the Joe Theismann for me. It conjures mm -hmm. up, um, you know, obviously Alex Smith. Yep. And it yep. wasn't that, but it's more like Gordon Hayward. We, it looked that way. And I immediately, texted my, my dear friend, Jason Daniels, who, uh, is a physician here in, uh, in, in the Phoenix area. And, you know, I texted him the night of, of, of Gordon Hayward. And I said, what, what is this? Cause he treats emergency, emergency medicine is a great part of what he does. And he treats people like policemen and firemen who jump off buildings to save lives. And therefore they suffer these kinds of injuries, Tony. And he can immediately say, here's what they're doing, here's why they're doing it, here's what you hope to accomplish, and then their surgery maybe later tonight. And you just go, your head is spinning because he's telling you that. And I texted him, and he, went, he took me to the course of what this is, what it's like, how long, and as much as you can without being there, you know, have, but having experience with these kinds of injuries. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm very grateful to him for, for, for having that access to him and his expertise, his vast expertise. And it's just depressing as hell. It was just depressing to watch that and think of all the things about, you know, Dak Prescott and the money 
And, you know, you immediately, you have to be, of course you go there. Because he could have signed a contract worth, what, $150, $160, $170 million? For whatever like his reasons were, he decided not to sign the Cowboys' offer. I don't, you know, and he bet on himself. You know the reason was they don't think it's enough. They think they, they that's right. the same reason. Yeah, but I mean. Cousins didn't sign with the Redskins. That's you right. think, I'm okay, I can come back next year and get that singular that's amount right. of money, $37, $38 million. It was a huge amount of money in anywhere in the world. But. We were not math majors, you nor I, but uh, but thirty-seven million dollars, whatever the next year figure would have been, it ain't a hundred and whatever, with That's the guaranteed right. money that that comes with, and it's not the whole amount. But so you go through that, and you just you just you, and 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 you think about the rehab and the the career, and can he get it back, and can he get it back on track, and how much of it can he get back? And it's just I had to just walk away from the TV for a bit, and I. I've met Dak Prescott a couple of times. I find him unbelievably likable and engaging. And I don't know him. I, I've, we've had a couple of conversations. Unbelievably likable. And I just thought about all the stuff that happened this summer. And is Dak going to get his money? And, you know, it's just, it, it, just, it just left a, I don't know, it left me largely uninterested in everything else that happened yesterday and last night even the, even the nba i just found myself less interested from a football standpoint the cowboys at least have a professional quarterback who's yeah. gone to multiple playoff games yeah. i mean they're not left in the lurch you know they're no. not and he came in and he was good he hooked up yeah, twice I'm, with a guy on the sideline he was good yeah. he was good andy Dalton. I, I, he was good. you know you, what what is that division now Awful, awful. It's just I mean, one team is zero and five. The Redskins are one and four. Philadelphia and the Redskins, the Redskins each have one, one victory. With a win I can't keep calling that right. WTF? I'm sorry. I, we did I, it. Keep, the I can't. Sorry. The I do this all franchise. the time. To- you do, do this it, too, I do right? It half the time. I do it half the time. I just, I gotta stop I do it. Half it. The time. I yeah, I got. All right. You know what? I, I try not. I try not to. But the Washington football team. Their, their one win was a win that shouldn't even have existed over. 50. No, they were down a thousand nothing, and they won the game. They're no good. Nothing at least. They're that no good. Division is, is 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 really Awful. difficult. And right now, the NFL, it's like, what do you you know, what do you make of it? The schedule of the games, the games that are moved. When is something going to be played? It's hard. Um, it's hard to follow. It's hard yeah, to follow. and you and I, you and I have not. We we did PTI once. But, you know, what didn't happen, I didn't have the usual stress of yesterday, different kind of stress. Didn't have the usual stress because my Bears took your boy out. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, they and did. I, and I, I, you know, and Tom Brady did not cover himself in glory. And I don't mind no. saying it's four days later, whatever it is. He didn't cover himself in glory. And it, it wasn't dishonorable what he did by not saying my, my bad and owning up to his, to his gaff. You got to say it's but my it was, fault. It was, less than, it was less than the kind yeah. of professional level. Yeah, that we expect from Tom Brady. He just—I guess—he thinks he's unassailable. He can't be questioned, or he can't step to the mic and say, "This is my." Think of how elevated he would be. Even Tom Brady, who can't be elevated by any more wins, he just can't be. But he can if you step to the mic and say, <laughs> "You know, I did my fault. I got the downs wrong, but I got the yeah. downs wrong." He wouldn't even do that. Seriously, that was bad. he has that not been bad. criticized a nearly enough in my opinion, about what he did or didn't do and how he didn't behave on Thursday night. Not for me. All right. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls.
He'll be in Arizona. I'll be in my attic. We will take a break. Tim Kirkchen will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. All right, I'm reading this. Hey, football fans, are you an Amazon Prime member? Did you know that you can watch Thursday Night Football live on Prime Video? That's right. It's the future of football. You can catch all the action on any device almost anywhere in the world. You can choose your favorite announcer, including Troy Aikman and Joe Book, Joe Buck, or Bucky Brooks. I don't know who this is. And Daniel Jeremiah from Move the Sticks. I don't know them. Chris Long, carry champion from NFL Next. I know who they are. I don't know them, but I know who they are. No, Joe Books. Joe Buck. Who's Bucky Brooks, though? I don't know who that is. Uh, get next-gen stats and watch in-game replays on demand all within Prime Video's X-Ray. I'm sure they're fine. I just, I just I'm unfamiliar with them because I don't know what move the sticks are. Next-gen stats are real-time stats powered by AWS. I don't know what AWS is. No more waiting around. You can. A- Why am I doing this? I don't know any of it. You can access the current stats anytime. Need to check how your fantasy player is doing? This is the ideal way to stay up to speed. In-game on-demand replays are accessible on your remote on Fire TV. And I don't know what that is. Or by turning your mobile device sideways. That's so intriguing to me that you're holding something and you just turn it sideways and you can, it's so great. So if you're a streamer or a baller, because I see that on, on uh, the backs of bumpers all the time, I'm a baller. So if you're a streamer or you simply want the most custom way of watching Thursday Night Football, tune in live every Thursday. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. and kickoff is at 8.20 p.m. Eastern on Prime Video. Also available on Fox and NFL Network. NFL Network simulcast subject to change. Thursday Night Football is presented by Bud Light Platinum. Can I ask this question out loud? Who is this a commercial for? Is it for Amazon? Amazon Prime. Okay. Okay. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Sam Langford in Fort Mill, South Carolina. It's a song called Early Mornings from Sam's nephew's band, Fireside Pop. It'd be a privilege and an honor to have it played on your show. Easy. They hail from a great little music town, Athens, Georgia. The members of the band are my nephew, Jack Langford, on vocals, brothers Sam and Daniel Jackson, and Perry Sentel. Jack, Sam, and Perry are recent graduates of the University of Georgia, and Daniel is a walk-on on the UGA football team. They wrote the song hanging out around a campfire one night. Happy to do it. It's called Early Mornings, and it plays in Tim Kirkchen. So I want to I get my logistics straight. Richard Justice says he's going to go to the World Series. He's going to go to that. Charlie Steiner, who I talked to a few days ago, is doing all the games... He's broadcasting the Dodger games from his house. He's in his living room. He's got three televisions up. The last time we talked, you were in Bristol and doing games in a Bristol studio with the other fellas you work with. Do you have particular plans for the World Series? Um, yes, I'm doing the same thing. I am broadcast. I'm not broadcasting because we're not doing the games on TV, and I'm not right. on the radio call this time. I'm doing baseball right. tonight and all the sports centers from the studio. So this will be the first time since 1981 that I have missed a World Series game, and I'm not very happy wow. about that. However, I don't have a choice. 
I'm on this show, Baseball Tonight, and I have been for 23 years. The show is taking place in Bristol, so I am right. not going to the World Series. So I'm, I'm with my team. I'm watching the games. I'm going to talk about it as soon as it's over. I'm just not going to be there. But you know, Tony, it's not the same being there as much as I'd love to be there if you don't have access to the players. That's what I do for a living, and without having real access to the players, it's just not the same. This is interesting because Richie believes that he's had more fun covering this year than ever before, and he has no access to players except on Zoom calls. You know, you miss the cage time and all of that. He seems to be quite happy with it. You are not happy with it. That's interesting. Well, I've had a great year. I've done, you know, done 20 games on TV. I did three games on the radio. I did eight playoff games. So it was great fun. But right. I repeat, I, what I like to do is I like to hang out at the batting cage. I like to watch players up close. I like to go ask somebody in person what happened on that play and then have them explain that to me. Um, that's what I really like to do. And without access to the players, it's, I don't think it's as much fun. Without being at the ballpark, it's not as much fun. But I had a tremendous time doing games. I love doing games. And I just did three radio games for, in the playoffs, the Marlins and the Braves. It was, it was great. But I'm going to do this with my teammates from the studio, and I'm going to make the best of it, and it's going to be fine. So there's a bubble now for the players. Do you hear anything about baseball players going into a bubble and how they're reacting to it? Well, I think they're doing even better than when they were. They were essentially in a bubble the last two months of the regular season anyway. Everyone got the message, look, you're not going out. You're not doing anything. Right. You're going to go to your hotel. You're going to go to the ballpark, and that's all you're going to do. Because if anyone else gets sick, we're not going to finish this season. So this is where the players, I think, did an exceptional job of showing some real discipline and following some health and safety protocols. So I think this bubble is no different. I think they all see the finish line, and they all realize – we're going to have a World Series this year, what I don't think a lot of people thought we would, say, three and a half months ago. So let me get to the specifics that got Tampa in over the Yankees and the poetry of that guy hitting that home run off that guy. That is the backstory on Chapman and Brousseau. Is that how it's pronounced? That is so great. You had to think there was justice in the world with that, didn't you? Yes. Mike Brasso almost got his head taken off by a Roldis Chapman. That was one of the closest. I don't know how he didn't get hit in the head. When you want to hit someone in the head, you throw it right at the back of their neck. There's no way they can get their head out of the way, and he did. And then the next day, on September the 2nd, after almost getting his head taken off, Mike Brasso hit two home runs against the Yankees. And then he hits this remarkable home run to put them in the LCS. This guy, Tony, was a, he said, he told us on the air the other night, I wasn't a great high school player. He was an undrafted free agent, and he fought his way into uh, making a, a major league team. And then he hits a home run like that. I said it a hundred times, Tony. I've said it a thousand times in my life. That story doesn't happen in the NBA. That story doesn't happen 
in the NFL. And, and Doug Glanville, my dear friend, said, well, what about Rudy? I said, Rudy didn't score the game-winning touchdown. That's what that That's guy right. just did. And it was a tremendous story and the greatest revenge story you can possibly have if you've been thrown at your head and you come back and beat the guy with a home run. Uh, they are now, Tampa is now playing Houston. I asked Richard this. Richard's view is complicated by the fact that he's from Texas and lives in Houston. You don't have that circumstance hanging over your head. Your thoughts on Houston and where they are and whether they have suffered enough. Um, I think they have suffered enough. I think they've played remarkably well in this postseason. I think they still have a terrific offensive team, even though they weren't the same offensive team this year that they were last year, but they sure looked that way, at least until last night in the postseason. I just don't think they pitch well enough to continue on, but uh, who knows? This is baseball. Anything's possible. I, I think they took some heat. I've told you this, Tony. I've never seen players go after players on the record as – as, the, as was the case this year when p- players from other teams called the Astros cheaters. I lost respect for those guys. Never seen that before in 41 years of covering the sport. And a lot of people say, well, we should have taken their championship away. I think we're seeing the punishment again that, you know, they're still being looked at as people who cheated. But I think they've done their time, and let's let them play because they've been really, really good this postseason. I am very surprised I understand it, but it still it takes a while to digest this, that these series are going to go seven games in seven days. What does that do to your pitching staff, and who is best prepared for it? Well, the Rays are best prepared for it because they have – they just added another pitcher to their roster. So they have like 40 pitchers on their roster, and they'll use every <laughs> one of them in every game if they have to. But, Tony – this is what every team does now, and this is what the postseason is all about. Tony, the Padres used 51 pitchers in six games. In four of the six games, they used nine pitchers. They used nine wow. pitchers in a nine-inning shutout. No team has ever done that in a regular season or postseason game, ever. This is the game we play now, but this is the warning. You can't blow your bullpen out the first two games when you got to play five more and you don't get a day off. So this is really going to affect the way that managers deal with their bullpen because they use their bullpen all the time. Is there one manager or two managers? There's four left. Is there somebody where you say, this guy knows how to use the bullpen and this guy doesn't? Well... All the managers, no manager is going gonna, is gonna to make a change in the, the final four here. Kevin Cash is great. Dusty Baker is a wise and worldly man. So, no, I, I think Kevin Cash is so used to using his bullpen all the time that he will know a better way to use it. Like last night, they used four relievers. I bet the average person has never even heard of three of them, but that's not the point. The point is, it's just a stable of guys throwing 98 miles an hour, which is the lesson, Tony, here for the the big picture. It's unbelievable how many relievers come into a game throwing 98 miles an hour, and the average person hasn't heard of any of them, and they're all just firing and our hitters have no chance against them unless the pitcher makes a mistake in location. 
I will get you out of here because I know you've got a hit to do, and we will not get back to you until this series is over. Pick the two winners for me. Well, I picked the Rays and the Dodgers, and I'm going to stick with them, although I did the Braves on the radio against the Marlins, who aren't very good right now, but the Braves just are, are really, really good. Their bullpen is great. They have young pitching in the rotation. Their offense is great. And by the way, Tony, you will appreciate this. I just found out that Ian Anderson, who's the star young pitcher for the Braves, that's the same name of the guy who was in Jethro Tull. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I, yes. I just found that out. Like during the broadcast, I found that out. And I related that to Carl Ravens. Like I'm the only guy in the world that does, doesn't realize that Ian Anderson was the lead singer for Jethro Tull. And Ravi said, I didn't I think know that's that true. either. I think that's yeah. true. I could be wrong. I will just well, point this one thing out with the, with the Braves. Their, their ERA in the playoffs to this point is 0.92. Tony, they had four shutouts in five games. The, the <laughs> yes, only sure. team that could do that did that was the 1905 Giants with Christy Madison. Zero point nine two shutouts in five days. Unbelievable. 0.92. All right, go do your radio hit. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Tim. Okay, Tony. See you. That's Tim Kirkton, boys and girls. We will come back with email and a jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Okay, okay. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But you might not know this, and it'll take your TV watching game to the next level. You can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. So over the weekend, why don't you use ExpressVPN to, to binge Doctor Who on UK, uh, UK Netflix? It's so simple. Just fire up the ExpressVPN app, hand your TARDIS, change your location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. See, Ex- ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to, to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Love anime? Use ExpressVPN to, to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service like the Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason you should use ExpressVPN to watch shows is it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD. No problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. I bet you can turn it sideways into landscape. Wow. So you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are. If you visit the special link right now at expressvpn.com slash Tony, you get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Tony. I'm not making a judgment on this, but this is the second commercial today where I just think I, I, I'm, I'm in a different world. I don't understand any of it. I hope it works out for those of you who do understand. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got your email faxes and notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag, gonna read some for all you folks. Hey, Tony! Come on, come on! Hey, Tony! Read that mail now, baby. Hot pink hangover, boys and girls. Before we get to the mailbag, Nigel, do you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? 
Oh, yes, we got the bagel sandwiches today. We love those. Uh, some with bacon, some with sausage, but you can get whatever you like from uh, Bethesda Bagels. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, I just want to say, as Nigel wrote, let's face it, Flounder, you threw up on Dean Wormer. <laughs> Dean Vernon Wormer. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Tim Kirkchin. Thanks to our sponsors, ExpressVPN, Lincoln Financial, Amazon Prime, where you can now watch Thursday Night Football Live. And Tumbleleaf. And remember, what is that? It's a show the little bootster watches. Okay. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. Speaking of Ian Anderson, Kenny Ray of Fort Walton Beach in Florida writes this. As a longtime Atlanta Braves fan, I want to correct one item from last week. Your emailer on Friday's show had it wrong about Braves starting pitcher Ian Anderson. Ian did not play for Binghamton. His twin brother, Ben, played for Binghamton for three years before being drafted in 2019 by the Rangers. Ian had committed to play for Vanderbilt in 2016, but was drafted third overall by the Braves. So off to A-ball he went. Vanderbilt, Binghamton, same sort profile. Of the same, sort of the same. <laughs> Steve Silberman, St. Augustine, Florida. You buried the lead with Louise Gluck. For all of her literary awards, she should be known as the Exacto Knife Princess. Her father and uncle invented the Exacto Knife. In the 1930s, the knife was invented by Sundell Doniger, Gluck's uncle, who had planned to sell it to surgeons as a scalpel, but it was unacceptable as there was not a sterile way to clean it and reuse the device. So his brother-in-law, Daniel Gluck, Louise's father suggested it be used as a craft tool, and they began selling them to hardware stores. Maybe that is why she was, her writing was so dark and angry. She was not getting the recognition she believed she deserved. Exacto knives have been around. They're brilliant. That's a Exacto brand you can trust. Exacto knives are brilliant. From Tom Pace in Lakewood, Ohio. As an undergraduate English major, Louise Gluck came to my university to give a reading. It was a warm early spring day, and the packed auditorium was stifling from the heat and Miss Gluck's flat, non-effective, monotone reading voice. At one point, I looked at the row in front of me to find the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences with his head up, his mouth open, sound asleep, out cold. My buddy George Taylor, staff photographer of the school paper, was sitting next to me, whipped out his camera, and took pictures of the sleeping dean. A few weeks later, the school paper ran its annual April Fool's issue, an Onion-esque issue featuring parodies of campus issues. The lead story, of course, was of the narcoleptic dean, replete with photos from Gluck's reading. You're right, she's no Shecky. Green, and he's an associate <laughs> professor of English at John Carroll University. Mark Finer, Greenwich, Connecticut. As the self-appointed, unconfirmed interim English teacher of the Tony Kornheiser Show, I feel responsible for addressing your comments about Nobel laureate Louise Gluck. Gluck writes with terrifying honesty about the fear and despair inherent in everyday human existence. For example, the line you quoted Friday, staring blindly ahead, the expression of someone staring into utter darkness, captures with excruciating precision the soul-crushing pain of listening to you discuss the poetry of Louise Gluck. <laughs> now please, Mr. Tony, tell us more about your shoes. I got my shoes. Tyler in Rapid City, South Dakota. I was excited on Friday's show when you announced that Louise Gluck had won the Nobel Prize for Literature, as I am a huge fan of her work. I figured due to your upstate New York roots and doctor in humane letters, you would have unending praise for her, or at least a fun anecdote, but I think there was more love voiced for payday candy bars. Thank goodness Michael was there to defend poetry. Poetry can inform us about the unknowable, like the waning and waxing of the moon, or if the monkey will go about 500, which he doesn't. Here is an excerpt from Louise Gluck's Mock Orange I think you will enjoy. It is not the moon, I tell you. It is these flowers lighting the yard. I hate them. 
P.S. I recently tried to convert my 50-year-old father into a little. We were on a road trip listening to a recent episode when he turned to me. He said, Tony Kornheiser, he's that guy who yells on PTI. I said, yes. He replied, well, he's all right. At least he's not Jim Rome, the guy who got in a fight with that Everett guy. I don't remember Tony Kornheiser fighting anyone. Has he fought anyone? I said, just poisonous mushrooms. And he said, well, that's good. I think he's in. (laughs) Uh, And this is addressed to Cher Monsieur. The rest of the coffee house and I listened raptly to your discussion of our new Nobel laureate, Louise Gluck. I particularly stoked my goatee to your dismissal of her oeuvre as humorless. And the owner's Siamese cat was more wan than usual, I'll have you know. In truth, Madame Gluck's body of work over the decades ranges from the sublime to the ridiculous. You may recall her famous lines, a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down your pants, which can, of course, be found in her most famous poetry (laughs) compilation from 1974 entitled looking hilarious so funny (laughs) kindly refrain kindly refrain from painting with one brush as you did as i don't order my guatemalan supremo with a shot of ennui brooding on traffic through the plate glass window i am hampton nager in dallas texas it's just just brilliant and from steve kaplan in fayetteville north carolina i was crushed by the news of the nobel prize in literature it totally blew up my Nobel Fantasy League team. I was leading going into literature and peace after hitting on medicine, physics, and one out of two on chemistry. Little known fact, Gluck almost got a job at Hallmark writing greeting cards, but submitted this gem at our final interview. April, no one's despair is like my despair. You have no place in this garden thinking such things, producing the tiresome outward signs, the man pointedly weeding an entire forest, the woman limping, refusing to change clothes or wash her hair. Happy anniversary to a great couple. It's just <laughs> brilliant. It's just totally brilliant. From All of these things are just brilliant. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shock flew up. Someone else would be better I never felt like I belong here 
Preachers live, live until we die.